and welcome to another episode of Zenochat. I am Tyler, the host, along with Justin. Hey, everyone. And we got a few guests with us today. Uh, first up, we have Kat. Oh, hi. And we got B. Hello. And we have Anthony. Hello, everybody. Okay, so today we are going to talk about something that I've been wanting to discuss for a long time, and basically the the characters that Takahashi forgot about. I mean, just characters throughout all of Zeno that we wish got a little more attention, a little more spotlight than they did. Um, some of them are extremely minor, and then others are might be some major characters that we just wish we got just a little bit more to feel mm-hmm. satisfied. So today's episode is going to run a little bit differently. So um, I'm going to ask a question and we're going to just uh, go just take turns uh, with each person uh, bringing up a character because we have a document full of characters from Xenogears, Xenosaga, and the Xenoblade games. And we're just going to go take turns, uh, say, grab a character from the list and say why they didn't, um, weren't they, they weren't as get the, get the attention that they needed and maybe explain how we would make them a little bit better. Um, so to start off, um, who I, I'm going to ask a question. Um, so who was, uh, when was the last time you guys played a Zeno game? Whoever was the most recent will go first. I played, was playing Xenoblade 3. Uh, it was one week ago yesterday. I'm at months now. I, I, I lose. I, I'm the biggest loser here. No, you're not. It's been months for me, too. No, no, it's been months ever since I got my Steam Deck. Shame. I mean, like, I finished Blade 3 and I stepped away from it. Okay. All right. Then I guess our winner here is Anthony. And you get to go first and choose a character from our list. Fantastic! Um, all right. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, start off with my biggest pet peeve, which was um, Guernica Van Dam, which, uh, like, I, I, I get that he was very important to the plot in Xenoblade 3. Did something crucial to the care for the characters and i just i don't know i hate that he died so quick it really does feel like takahashi said kill vandom any percent no glitch let's go um and it just it's just it's incredibly frustrating because they brought back the same voice actor from xenoblade 2 and i really like that performance for Vandom, and I was really excited to to hear that it was the same voice. And I was just, I don't know, I was just really excited. It was like it was it was like another Vandom, and I'm thinking they're gonna build him up to be this big lovable guy like they did in Xenoblade 2, and it's gonna be awesome, and he's dead. And it's just that that's just frustrating. I mean, I would have liked to see more. I only get to hear about him third party, but I like to see. I don't like to. I, I like. I, I I like show, not tell. If that makes sense. But yeah, that's that. Just that's all I really have to say on on Garnica. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I really don't have much to add to that. <clears throat> um, we don't really see much of him. We are told a lot about him. I don't know if maybe the DLC will help with that. It'd be kind of nice if like he's kind. He kind of shows up in there. I don't know what they're gonna do with the DLC. Honestly, just like so many different things that it could be about at this point. So I, I, I agree. As soon as that character came out, um, I was excited to see like, okay, this is going to be, um, it was clearly an older character. And I was like, all right, this older character is going to show him how the world really is, which essentially he did, but his life was cut so, so short. Yeah. I wish he had a little bit more time like they did with Vandom and two and just show them the ropes and whatnot. But it was, it was like, you know, cut the cord. Um, yeah, again, I, I agree with Anthony. A little bit more would have been nice. Wouldn't it be funny if uh, Vandom becomes the the uh, Watanabe of the Zeno series? <laughs> Shout out to those of you who play Live Alive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kat, what do you have to say? Oh, uh, I'm generally in agreement with everybody else because um, there has been a then there's been a vandom there's been a van character in every zeno chapter or zeno title um they they used to do um vandercram or vandercalm it, it keeps on getting smushed mm -hmm. and then once once they bopped to uh xenoblade it became vandom uh and i think this is one of the shortest lived Vandoms as far as like introduction to death, <laughs> yeah. um, which sucks and I hate it. Um, and he, he seemed like a genuinely good guy and he shouldn't have died right away. <laughs> emo, just emo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, which also Anthony, I had no idea it was the same voice actor. And not that I didn't believe you, but I just double checked and you're right. It's Simon Thorpe for both. So that was really cool. Yeah, um, I, I've got an ear for these things. And Vandom, nice. Vandom from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was far and away my favorite character. Like, I loved that character. And when he dot spoilers, when he dies in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, like, I just felt like I had been hit in the fucking gut with a baseball bat. And I didn't even like I, I wanted to put the game down and walk away from it for a little while because like I was crushed. I just met this character at the beginning of this chapter. I fall in love with him. He's great. I just like love everything about him. And then he dies. And then I'm like, all right, we're killing Malos. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to if I've never written fan fiction before, but if Malos walks away from this alive, I'm writing my own fiction where he dies. <laughs> good for you well uh yeah for as for vandom from xenoblade 3 i i did kind of like the aspect of i don't know how he kind of like lives on through like stories that people tell about him and through his uh daughter and granddaughter but yeah he, he died way way too quickly maybe maybe let him live a little bit longer than he did but uh, yeah Good choice. All right, who wants to go next? Raise your hand. D, you were first. Go ahead. All right. Um, so I'm gonna choose the 
one of the more ambiguous ones, which is the salvagers in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, Rex always talks about the salvagers code or when he worked with the salvagers. Um, we did see a little bit of possibly salvagers when they were going into the wreck to uh, essentially extract Pyra. But I wish there was a little bit more to that storyline, that backstory about who were these savagers and how did they shape Rex as a character? Uh, because Rex is really goody two shoes. And I would imagine these salvagers were like, you know, drunken miners for lack of a better term. Um, even if they were like, you know, little side quests here and there about, Oh, Hey Rex, I see you're doing well. I have a quest for you back from soldier days. Remember me like just, something to indicate he had a little bit more of a past with these salvagers because he talks so much about it and the salvagers code and you know how to treat a lady but there was nothing in the game to further that story there so i'd like your thoughts on that one go for it cat all right uh so i am in complete agree agreement with you i i really wish that they had like because he's, he's not really from outer space or anything, but he, he does sort of like have the uh, Clark Kent uh, angle about him. Like some, somebody taught him right. Uh, and we know who taught Malos wrong. It was Malthus. Uh, but we don't, we don't have that for Rex. And uh, I think uh, we have... Uh, like one NPC, she's she's the lady that we meet, um, but like there, there's got a like having having Rex spend more time with his crew would have def definitely helped to uh, uh, flesh out his character. Mm -hmm. It also would have been kind of interesting if we got to see <clears throat> Rex interact with other salvagers at like the canteen or something like that like wouldn't it be kind of interesting if like rex was out with a bunch of other older salvagers and they're all trying to get a drink and rex is like no i can't drink because i'm too young like give us a nice little scene like that or if he had like a rival salvager yeah yeah, yeah. that would be kind of cool oh that'd be he ain't young enough to form a harem though <laughs> oh, <that's> not... <laughs> yeah i went there yep i did it i said it i said it <laughs> You know, it would have been kind of interesting if, like, Zeke was also a salvager. Yeah, that would have been all right. Oh, yeah, he, he, been, like, he a fits. I, I love the idea of Zeke being, like, the worst salvager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he definitely has that, that vibe of, like, rival turned friend. I mean, he they kind of already did that I mean, yeah, a little bit, but what they're going for. if they had done that with, through the salvager, that would be cool, too. Yeah, yeah, even just like a little, a little tidbit. That's all, all I asked for. There wasn't any of that. So, yeah, they could have put them in the zone, just like dotted people Rex grew up with. Because <laughs> sure. we went there. All right, Justin, you want to go next? So yeah, so while we're on the topic of Xenoblade, um, and kind of a similar note to like you know how we kind of wish we saw more backstory with Rex. I kind of wish this isn't on the dock, but it is related to something on the dock. Um, I kind of wish we got more about the giants mm. because that directly ties into Dixon's story. And 
we kind so, so like we get little bits of it here and there, but it that whole plot point is very much dropped in the second half of the game, and it's just kind of like okay, you you gave this to us, and, and then what? Like for a lot of the game, the only the the biggest like tangible thing tied that we have to the Giants is Zanza when he was like chained up and Dixon, and once Dixon's dead, that's that's really it. So I don't know. I, I just kind of wish we got more about it because it was it sounded interesting, but they never really go into too much detail about it. You, I believe you can explore some of the uh, Giants ruins. So there's a little bit of environmental storytelling with that, but still it would have been really, really cool if we got to see more of that. Maybe have a quest that kind of explores some flashbacks. Maybe like, I don't know, you could explore Dixon's house a little bit more and then you could see like little relics from the past that kind of tied into it. I think that would have been really, really, really neat and it would have done wonders for developing Dixon more as a character too. And also just setting up the world. I, I agree. I mean, Dixon was kind of just like this world. When you see the world, like it, it talks about the Titans, whatever, mm-hmm. the giant is. And then when you have Dixon, like Dixon's right there. Like one of the first characters you meet is Dixon. And then he was kind of just dropped off. Like he was like a main character, but in the shadows. And you don't really get, yeah, I'm with you. You don't really get too much after that because the whole story turns into about the Monado. I yeah. this this may be a hot take, but I don't like like if it were me, if I was the one writing that story, I wouldn't have made Dixon a giant. I would have made him a servant of Zanza. I would not have made him a giant because I it to me that just seemed like it didn't make sense. Um but like what I would have done differently with Dixon is gave him an actual proper motivation because it seemed to me throughout the whole game that his allegiances seemed to be more with the Homs, more with, more with the, 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 with Shulk and, and the party. And he seemed to genuinely care because very early on when you're getting through the swamp or whatever the hell it's called, the, 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 the bog right before you go up the big wall, he says, I feel bad about deceiving those kids. And like, you so you know he's got a moral conscience you know that he's like knows he's doing something wrong and i like that he works for zanza i like that he's deceiving the party i like he's doing bad things but him being a giant it feels like that was part of the story strictly for gameplay so you have this cool boss fight with him at the end but at what cost his ending makes no his ending is unsatisfying and ultimately his whole arc as a character is just kind of falls flat. And it's a shame because they set him up to be one of the best characters in that game. Like he, he has some really great memorable lines from that game. And it's just, it's a shame. I, they, I feel like they really dropped the ball with him at the end. So I like Dixon as a giant and where it falls flat is that unfortunately we don't see um where Dixon was uh at around the time that uh uh Arglass got possessed by Zanza because Dixon is our t- is, is he supposed to be our tie to the Giants and our tie to Zanza and the Monado, right? Because the Monado that was 
uh, it was said that the Giants had the Monado, but really it's Zanza. So at least that's from what I remember. So like that could have been really interesting. And we and they could have told us about the Giants through Dixon, and that would have worked really well. They don't. <laughs> and that's where the problem that's where the problems are at. And that's why I'm I'm disappointed by it. But I personally don't mind him being a giant. I just wish that they actually gave us that context. I feel like there's like this I feel like there's an extra chapter missing. Maybe like a flashback chapter or maybe a side quest. I could have fleshed that out and that would have made that a lot better. Yeah, yeah I, I see what you're saying. And just to that point. Oh, wait, I forgot what I was going to say. All right, go ahead, Kat. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I really think that there should have been like an extra layer of cheese in the Xenoblade lore. Uh, there's a lot of, there were a lot of Xenosaga and Xenosaga, uh, Xenosaga and Xenogears people back in the day when uh, Xenoblade 1 came out saying, hey, this lore isn't deep enough. We don't like it. Um, and I really, I really do wish there was an interactable like layer of, hey, this is this here's more history of the the Antiquas here, and I think the the giants um, were also part of uh, part of that thing that should have been filled in. I think, and I don't even think they need to do that much with it. I just feel like it. Even one side quest could have filled in a lot of that because at the end of the day you know they're going to focus on what's happening at present not so much what happened in the past i mean even the whole thing with klaus like we really don't spend that much time with klaus and zombled one even though that event is very important so uh i don't mind some degree of ambiguity and i think that's what they were going for in a lot of zeno games we do get a lot of ambiguity and that's why the fandom loves doing the fandom things like that. So, um, so like I don't mind that. I just think that in this particular case, there's one, there's there's like one crucial piece of the puzzle that we're missing, and that could have been given to us. Yeah, it, it feels like with a lot of these characters, um, and I'm just gonna put this out there now, but especially with Dixon. Like this Dixon's the one that comes to mind the most when I when I say this. It feels like the ball gets dropped at the end with these characters because it feels like they just ran out of budget and they have to end the game because it that's that's kind of how some of these uh, these endings come off sometimes and because of how abrupt they are, some characters like the writing does suffer for it a little bit. And I just that that's kind of how it comes off to me at least very much for Xenoblade one and for three. Uh, I'm not done with three yet, but Oh boy, do I feel like they're just shooing me off to the end here? Um, but two, a little bit like better paced towards the end, but also like there, there's, I'm really, I'm, I'm just really not fond of where we fought Amalthus, which brings us into our discussion of Amalthus. I don't know who wrote him down on the list, but yeah, go ahead. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Kat, you, if you, if you want, you can talk about Amalthus now. Yes, if you want. I, I, I was, I was going to raise my hand and pick Amalthus. Okay. Anyway. All right. So. <laughs> uh, Anthony trying to break the rules already. 
as the agent of chaos. <laughs> all right. Um, so Amalthus, uh, I thought that he was actually going to be a good guy at first, and he turned out to be like the bad guy of Xenoblade 2. And when I heard that there was going to be a DLC that was going to take place in like right around the time uh, Amalthus summoned Malos, I thought Torn of the Golden Country was going to be about that. <laughs> but instead, here's. Uh, Here's all of these other characters and some of these other characters that you like, but not Amalthus. Uh, so it, it just sort of seemed... I apologize! I am unable to complete my mission! God said, uh, no. No. <laughs> but please continue. Yeah, Amalthus tried to become God and God didn't like that, so God's a little That's uncomfortable with discussion of Amalthus. <laughs> I also feel like, um, okay, so... Uh, the architect looks very similar to me as Andrew Cherenkov, even though the architect slash Klaus is probably more similar in character to Krellian from Xenogears. Um, but like, I don't know. I like the architect. He he interests me visually. I like old Ben. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Amalthus's relationship with the architect, as it is absolutely none. <laughs> Um, on, from the architect's side, uh, uh, is very interesting. Amalthus has a lot of, uh, threads to him that are very similar to, like, Jean-Claude Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, but they don't delve into any of it, even though they could. But also, a lot of this is my tiny little brain going, how is this gay? <laughs> <laughs> Because like I, I wanted to have seen the moment where Amalthus like summons Malos and like goes through this thing. Well, like why aren't you a pretty girl like uh like Mithra? What's wrong with mine? <laughs> um, and that I don't know. I don't know how like heteronormative the the Indolite religion is, but and and I know like it's probably for the best that people tell less of these types of stories but um i wanted to know a lot more about uh malos and um amalthus in terms of their like relationship to each other because it's definitely absolutely nothing like rex's and pyra's (laughs) um but uh now i'm i've ran out of words so people put their hands up (laughs) I feel like Amalthus, and this is on a completely different like note than what you were talking about. I understand what you're saying, but for me, I just wanted Amalthus to like, I don't know, not be a dick. Like I'm, I'm just so very, very tired of the religion bad trope. And the moment I saw Amalthus introduced in Xenoblade Two, I um kind of like had a feeling but then initially he was really good to the good to the party and i was like oh maybe they're going to take this in a different direction than the than the tried and true and very very tired you know direction that i'm used to seeing these jrpgs go in and it 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 didn't it it it, it, it he does the heel turn and 
everything and it, it plays out exactly like I thought it was going to. And he end, even ends up being the final boss and I'm well, one of the final bosses. And I just, uh, I don't know. I would have, I would have actually like had him be altruistic. I would have had him acknowledge that he used to be a dick. He used to, he, he fucked up in the past. He's the reason malice is destroying the world, but him having like really changed over the years and trying to you know make up for it and be a better person as opposed to just going down the same road we've seen all of these other characters that are similar to Amalthus go down but which would have given like more vacancy for Malos and Jin to have more presence as bad guys but more so for Malos because it's to this day I still feel I feel like that Malos didn't deserve the position of final boss because he always felt like a lackey. The only time he didn't feel like a lackey was in Torna. And that was the only time I really like perceived him as like a big, bad, evil guy. But I don't know. That's, that's just me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would have done different with Amalthus is I would have had him go in a complete 180 direction that Takahashi took him in mostly just because I'm, I'm exhausted of of characters like Amalthus and 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 thing and and places like Indoline where all the characters are like, oh, look at this place. It's it's deeply religious and it's it's nice. Oh, what are the, what do you know? They're bad. What, what what a shock! Who could have ever seen this coming? But yeah, that's just my two cents. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, like I was hoping that they would um do something with him in Torna to. But which it seemed like they were going to, but then it just like kind of, now oh, you faded into the background even more so. And there's stuff with him and Minoth that could have been really interesting to dive into, but they didn't really do it. But so that's yeah, very disappointing. What I wish um, we got to see with Amalthus is we did see a little bit. I think it was a turn up at the end of it where we saw like the turning of like um uh the turning of like how he had saw humanity as a good thing and then he changed you know saw it as more of a negative thing um i think if we saw a little bit more about his childhood growing up or whatnot um it might have explained a little bit more how he turned bad so quickly if that makes any sense at all, like maybe he had some PTSD that we don't know about. <laughs> like just because he also, um, um, like I, I picked him up as a bad guy right away. Um, when I saw all the refugees and, um, in his palace or lack of better term. Um, and they're saying, Oh, he's so good. He turned us in. Oh, but you see all these refugees and they're, they're living in tents and, and whatnot. So, no, there had to have been something in his past that I wish was highlighted um, to explain, like, why he's treating people like this, how he turned bad so quickly. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got on him. Bad guy. Need more information, but he's bad dude. Okay. All right. Um, I guess it's my turn. Um, uh, so, I'm going to pick... All right, I'm going to do a deep cut. Not really a deep cut, but um, I'm going to choose Lapis Roman from Xenosaga. 
and emoji clapping in the team's chat. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Lapis Roman is uh, basically a secret agent for Helmer in the Federation government. Is that right? Where she's like, yes, uh, Helmer plant. Yes, uh, she's one of Helmer's agents. Yeah, and she yeah she assists with uh, Shion and the gang, <laughs> and um, when uh, the Durandal is framed for uh, destroying the Wolvende in Xenosops Episode One, and she's a, a really cool character because, um, like she's calm and in control and trying to, um help Xion and them but um after that whole subplot's resolved she's she's gone i think she's briefly mentioned in episode two like in a throwaway light throwaway line but other than that she she's just gone so i think it would have been really cool to see more of her yeah i i would love just like uh, a cell phone game's worth of lapis roman lore <laughs> like her on the side infiltrating utic bases running into characters that she she hasn't run into before but you have that yeah. that would have been cool <laughs> yeah like a spin-off like manga even or something or just all about her and her secret agent ways it, it, yeah that would have been really cool yes just all right so I'm also going to pick a character from Xenosaga, and it might be a controversial pick, but Chaos. 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 So, I like Chaos. You like Chaos. Everybody likes Chaos. But how much do we actually get of Chaos compared to the other cast? Like... I understand that his role is to basically be the cryptic dude that knows everything but is too cool to tell everybody but the the fact that he does that for so much of the game and just like all three parts just kind of always irked me mm-hmm. and I, I get it it's to kind of add more mystique to him and they do that pretty well and that's kind of what draws me to chaos is that he's just so mysterious But and I want to learn more but like I feel like I don't get more <laughs> It's like they tease me with him, and yet I never get it. <laughs> uh, Kat, do you got something to add to that? Yes. Chaos is, like, if you're watching a horror film that has a monster, Chaos is the horror film monster that they never show. Yes. That is a great <laughs> way to put it. End. Oh, my gosh. That is perfect. Yes, Kat. <sighs> and it's it sucks because, like, when you do get chaos, chaos is great, and he's awesome to use in battle too. So, like, it's like the game keeps teasing you about him, but you don't ever get to see what the game is teasing you of. So, it's just so annoying with chaos. I like this character a lot, but damn it, I wanted more with him. Y'all remember what I said about get characters having shortfalls because of uh, because of budget. Yeah. Well, that's there's a yeah that goes all the way back to Xenogears and schedule 
unfortunately the a lot of these games are very ambitious and some sometimes characters get hit with you know not as much attention as they deserve and chaos is definitely yeah. one of those characters you could say that maybe if all six saga games actually happen chaos might have gotten a bit more but who knows Sounds to me like Chaos fills the same role as Alvis. Alvis? I was going to call that out. To a degree, yeah. And there have been a lot of people who made like, connections and pointed out some parallels between the two. Yeah, I, I'm also, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he also sort of, like, Chaos sort of low-key counts as an Aegis or whatever mm-hmm. uh, passes for Aegis in the Xenoblade world. Or Xenosaga world. Yeah. Well, at least Chaos got to hang out with Jesus Christ, so there's that. <laughs> there was that. He got to hang out with Jesus Christ. Alright, who wants to go next? Excuse me, what? <laughs> Play Xenosaga. We're not going to elaborate. B. Alright, um, I'll bring it back to Blade because I've only played Blade. Um, and I'm going to Throw it back to two, and I'm going to bring out Vess. Now, Vess is a blade that you get to meet in Cormont. Um, she's buying ingredients and to start her quest line. And the quest, to, just to refresh your memory, the quest is to uh, uh, bring some ingredients. And you meet her and um, an elderly gentleman who's kind of on his deathbed, and he has a really Strong craving for chocolate, and Vess is like, no, can't eat chocolate, you're too old for that. Um, but you go secretly to get the chocolate, and um, when you come back, he's dead, and Vess is a core crystal. Um, so with that character of Vess, why I put her out is the old man, his wife died, and they had two children, and they have Vess kind of as like a surrogate mother, for lack of a better term. Um, and she, um, is there to act as, you know, a wife and a mother for these, um, two kids. And, um, you know, as soon as he dies, she's gone. And as we know with, yeah, as we know with, um, Blades, when they die, they lose their memories. But there's these two kids that, um, you get to meet eventually as the quest goes on, but you don't really get to hear too much of the story of how she took care of the kids, took care of the elderly gentleman. You don't get to hear too much about how this family, it was a family, the wife died, and you you don't get to hear too much about how Vess was kind of the mother figure in this. All she does is make dumplings. That's all you pretty much know about her, and I just wish there was a little bit more. I mean... I, we could say I wish there was a little bit more for all the Blade backstories, but I think hers was the most interesting because of that family um, element of it. And, you know, and especially because she loses her memory when she goes back to a core crystal, it especially hits really hard. Right? So, yeah, that's why I put her forward. Um, and I know, like, that's part of the, 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 the way that the blades work is they lose their memory. But, you know, if she's been in Gormont for so long with this family, shouldn't other people know about her? <laughs> Just say. So that's an interesting thing to bring up that I honestly haven't really thought about. 
And that's that uh, the NPCs don't acknowledge the blades a whole lot. Like, just like like random NPCs. It's almost like part of the game. They're out of budget again. (laughs) No, no, no. I was going to say, I was going to say, it's almost like they live in a society where blades aren't viewed as people and are viewed more as property. Yeah, but this one. There's an entire organization that's out to free all blades from mankind or something. I don't know. But this one, this one was unique. It was a family, right? She was a family, yeah. assuming that she went every week or so to get ingredients to buy stupid dumplings. Like, you would think that the whole city would know her, but there's no mention. And I mean, also, like, they should mention Blaze because, like, the the driver, th- the whole, like, driver thing. Remember earlier on where you had people trying to uh, resonate with their core crystals? That was, like, a public event. So, like... They should be aware of it. Yeah. That's actually a really good point, B. Like, I, I, maybe maybe there are maybe there are like NPCs who do, but like when I think about it, a lot of, like there's just random NPCs in the world. A lot of them don't acknowledge the blades. Um, I have a question. Um, because I did get Vest, but she doesn't have like a affinity quest after you get her. Does does she or does she? She does. Um, and it's to learn more about the two children with this yeah. dude. But oh, that's it. Right. It's very weak. It's oh. very weak. <laughs> I know. Vass unfortunately had that very fun affinity chart making all the dumplings. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. That's why I didn't get it. Or onigiri, whatever. <laughs> uh, sir, they're jelly filled donuts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, I like remembering all the other blades that I've unlocked, which I wish I unlocked them all, I haven't. Um, by far her story, her affinity quest, her story is I think, in my opinion, the weakest. Like, they did a good job with, like, Aurora and um, what that, that asshole um, Degas, or whatever his name is, trying to find his lost kingdom, but Vess, like, she would have had the most heavy backstory, and it was a major letdown. Especially that no one remembers her in Gormont's. Like, they all had their mind erased. Go ahead, Kat. I think, uh, I, I really do think, because uh, I, I never got to play the uh, the Affinity Quest, so I'm on the same knowledge level as Tyler here, but uh, it feels like they started out Vess wanting to wanting her to be the main like in the main cast uh like because that's like a a main cast level like hit um like emotional hit so i i was surprised that she wasn't a story blade um uh and it sucks that they they just sort of like left it there uh i think uh xenoblade 2 uh i think either right before or right after Xenoblade 2 came out, um, my grandfather on my mother's side died and he had been suffering from dementia for years. And a lot of, uh, like, a lot of the, the stuff that Blades go through with trying to recall their memories or losing their memories um, pings on a lot of, oh, hey, this person who is older, who I've known all of my life, suddenly doesn't remember me as much. And that, uh, like, Vess's story there with the kids, that that would have, like, 
<laughs> like ha had I had I played it, <laughs> been like, okay, uh, I want a whole game about this now. <laughs> wow, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's just very sad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who wants to go next? Well, if no one goes next, I'll go. Um, I'm gonna stick to Xenogears and Xenosaga since uh, everyone is as familiar with these characters, so they don't have to force it to be talked about later. Um, okay. I choose uh, from Xenosaga or Gulla, which um, oh Justin, I'm sorry. Did you have something to say? Oh no, um, you can go. I'll, I'll go right after you. Then. Oh, I apologize. Don't worry about it. Okay, so yeah, I cho choose Orgulla. Um, she is a minor character from Xenosaga episode two. She is a uh, basically a nun. Uh, part of the uh, Ormit, the Ormus Church. No, yes, yes. Kat. Okay, thank you, Cat. You are you you are someone I must confirm things with. Um, but yeah, she is a nun with the Ormus Church, and kind of like I don't want to say the exact right hand of the patriarch Sergius, but um, yeah, she's a minor villain in episode two, and. Uh, you fight her at one point, and it's a very, very difficult fight. Um, I've probably talked about this before, but you don't really know learn too much about her besides she she looks cool. But also, she has multiple personalities, um, and then she switches between these personalities during battle, which they don't really they didn't really discuss that outside of battle. At least I don't remember. It's been like. So long since I've played episode two, um, but it just really she has so so much I don't know potential to be explored more because when she's switching between personalities in battles, she um she has this she says something like "damn you seller" or "curse you sellers," which is another character in Zeno Saga. I'm like, oh, what is, I forgot about that. Right? I was like, what? Why is she cursing Sellers? What did a... what did Sellers do to her? I'm like, yeah, that's such an important lore drop, <laughs> right? Like you could have just not said anything and just switched between personalities, but there's something like he either experimented on her or 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 she's uh, I don't know. It's like there's so much that could be explored with her character, even though she's like such a minor minor villain. But it's just like. That that little nugget right there is like there's there was something there, and I just wish they explored it. But um, after you beat her, it I don't think there's even like a death scene. I think the the, the cast just moves on. So yeah, cool. So I guess I will go now. Cool. Yeah, um, go ahead. <laughs> so. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Let's see, because there's a couple that I can talk about, so I'm like trying to pick which one I want to talk about next. Oh boy, um, we'll stick with Saga, um, Telos, and I think we we might have mentioned this before, but like, 
for how much Telos has been hyped up throughout the series and how much she was advertised and how much she even gets referenced after the fact, she's like barely in Saga 3. Agreed. You get a really cool fight scene. Like, don't, don't, I'm not even gonna play. Like, that fight scene was awesome. But other than, you know, kind of a cool boss fight, we really don't get much. She's in, she's out. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what to say about Telos. <laughs> okay. Do you have something to say about Telos Cash? Uh, merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, they sure did merchandise, yes. <laughs> merchandise the hell out of Telos. Yes, they did, but mm-hmm. it's just like they they advertised and marketed the hell out of her only to not do much with her. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a shame. It's like, you know, they could have picked another character to market. Yeah, but it's easy because from a model maker's standpoint, it's Telos is just a, a recolor. <laughs> Basically, yeah, she's the she's a player too, Cosmos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is gonna be a hot take, but she she kind of reminds me of how. I, well, maybe it's not the same. I was gonna compare it to like Mari from the rebuild of Evangelion movies. How she's just kind of there most of it, and I mean, she has her moments, but it's like she's there for figurines. Um, but Telos, yeah. I I agree with you 100%. Like, we get more of Telos through side games than we get in the entirety of Xenosaga. I mean, we get that little nugget, that little reference in episode one, which is, like, cool, but eh, then we didn't hear... It didn't really pay off until episode three. So I feel like they definitely should have, like, along with that little, little nugget in episode one, maybe have something in episode two, like either hinting more about her or she shows up like in a post credit scene or something and then definitely have been more present in episode three. <sighs> it's cool she was in Xenoblade 2. Yeah. Yeah. And in some <laughs> spin-off games, I mean Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But... Some sometimes she was buddy buddies with Cosmos, so that was that was kinda funny seeing them interact with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's exhausting to talk about her. It's yeah, it's sad, but <laughs> oh well. Um, Anthony, you haven't chosen a character in a while, have you? Yeah. Um, not gonna lie, probably gonna run to the bathroom for a little while, but uh, carry on. Oh, okay. Uh, then who would I like guess- to? Yeah, stay, stay, stay on the stay on the saga gears train. Yeah. Right, um, let's see. Uh, how about Richard and Herman? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Richard and Herman. Uh, I I did not realize. Uh, Richard is the the little blonde, wavy haired guy. <laughs> Herman is the big guy in the green suit. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that Richard was. I think, uh, I think he was like sixteen or seventeen. He, he was very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in in the dub, <laughs> when you hear their voices, it doesn't come across at all. No. Um, 
for for people who don't know, uh, there is a character named uh, Pellegri in uh, introduced in in Xenosaga One, and uh, she's uh, Margulis's uh, attaché, and Mar- Margulis is is sort of like the leader of this branch of this paramilitary religious cult that has weapons and stuff and uh Pellegri is as a second in command of of uh of this guy uh and in Xenosaga 2 they give her pets <laughs> those pets are Richard and Herman um at first uh when when Xenosaga 2 uh the game came out there was no like extra material about them we did not get to see their faces until the DS game um all they were were a pair of voices uh and some mechs to fight <laughs> and uh i think I don't think they got 3D model portraits in in Xenosaga uh, three, no. um, but <laughs> they their their little portrait like things were the pink static and the green static, <laughs> which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, it's unfortunate because this is another one where well, because the main games they don't get much attention, but as you said with Xenosaga one and two. They ha- you actually get to see their character model or what they look like outside of their um, mechs. And I know they're in the drama CDs, um, which I, I remember, remember was interesting because I remember it was, a, I think Herman was an ex-Federation soldier. He was uh, in the he... military with Captain Matthews, maybe? Yes. Yeah, and I think Captain Matthews mentions that in Xenosaga One, but I I don't think he he mentions that he knows Herman in particular. Right? Yeah, there's like there's something there, and it's like, uh, and then oh, I don't remember exactly because uh, doesn't Herman protect Richard because he's been he's like connected to their family somehow yes or, yes i believe yeah. uh richard comes from an old ormus family mm-hmm. and uh richard's family is also an old ormus family but it's the old ormus family without money who who are servants <laughs> mm-hmm. so herman is essentially richard's butler like battle mm-hmm. butler <laughs> but they're both battle <laughs> battle guys <laughs> yeah so there's definitely they have they have a lot of potential um and was would have been cool in episode 3 if there's like more of an emotional impact to their death yeah cuz like they were still yeah in those joke portraits like dying <laughs> yeah like i didn't even think they would appear in episode 3 because i think it, it, when you the last fight with them in episode 2 i don't think there's a cut scene afterwards or or saying oh they got away or anything like that they just disappear it was like uh, were yep. they dead classic like, classic xenosaga 2 um, yeah. I, I also missed the chance to comment on Orgula because I thought uh, Justin was also going to add to Orgula, um, oh. but <laughs> he chose Telos instead um, let's see uh, Orgula uh, I think it's I think it's she's either I think she's a cyborg 
which makes her sort of close to Ziggy. Um, I could be remembering wrong. That, that would make sense. Okay, yeah, and I think the um, the the thing that she has out for Sellers is I think she she got her robot parts and her second personality from uh, from Sellers. Um, like he did a half-assed job, and he, yeah, she's like yeah. cursing him for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think um, uh, Orgula was Sergius's bodyguard, so I kind of in my mind the blueprint for her sort of like pings on Mara Jade from the Thrawn books in Star Wars, which were written 20 years ago, and I don't expect anybody to get that reference at all, but I'm going to say it anyway. Someone will get that reference. Cool. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anybody else had anything about Richard and Herman, or are we good to move on? I'd say we're good to move on. Okay. Um... Let's see. Is Xanthony back or are you still gone? I think he'll let us know when he's back. Fair. Uh, then who wants to oh, uh, B, do you want to go next? I don't think I've heard from you. Sure. Yeah, um, again, I can only comment on Blade. I'm sorry. That's totally um, fine. Yeah, um, the other one I put forward was you know, for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is Chris or Console C. Um, the idea, like, when he was introduced, um, once we find out it's actually Chris, the mentor of, uh, Noah, I actually liked the idea, um, of having the mentor as, um, as a console of Noah, so we would have the, like, close interaction between main character and possibly, like, a really good friend of, um, main character however it felt very 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 flat uh chris ended up to me anyway seeming like a stalker um that he was so obsessed with noah obsessed with him to find his own sound that he decided to come have his you know, eternal forever is to stalk and watch Noah from a distance. And, um, like that sounds like a very lame, um, way to stay around forever is to stalk somebody. Um, I mean, initially I'm sure there was a very like strong heart to heart that he wanted to take Noah under his wing, um, be that mentor, but then to take that too far to live forever to, it just felt really weird and creepy. Um, although, arguably, I, I find his theme is my favorite soundtrack of the game. Um, but it was very one note, very lame, very, yeah, again, creepy, gave me the creeps. Um, yeah, I, I did, I did not like him in the end as a, a console. So, yeah. So for me with with um Chris, I initially thought that he might be a descendant of Shulk. But I I thought that's what they were gonna take the story, but they didn't. <laughs> Especially considering that's kind of what they were doing with Mio, but that would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Or who knows? Maybe they'll reveal that in the DLC. Ooh. 
Who knows? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I Chris. They, oh, go on. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna agree with you. It, it, Chris was definitely a wasted potential. Yeah. Um, as we kind of mentioned in our queer theory episode last time, there was there was something there that we possibly between him, him and Noah. But when you think of him being as a mentor that it does make that creepy along with him just yeah and it, it, his story does come off as very creepy but also why wait like 50 hours into the game to really get to know this character it's it's futaba it, from uh not futaba uh, I, was gonna, I thought you were gonna say haru haru thank you i was thinking of haru from persona 5 all over again but i haven't played um Okay, good news. Back from the bathroom. Bad news. <laughs> Jojo is asking to go outside to go to the bathroom. So I got to take him out. I'll uh, be back in a little bit. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> You're leaving that in there, right? I, I, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, crap. Thanks, Anthony, for disrupting my thought. Um, I felt like they could have done a lot more with the character. Like, yeah, leaving it, like you said, 50 hours in, we're like, surprise, I'm your mentor, I want to hear your sound, and now I'm dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was wasted time, especially for mm-hmm. Noah's Ascension Quest. It was such a waste of time. Like, you could have bumped that up when you're, t- you're having some of these other characters realize um, you know, that they had to like re- start to realize who these consoles are, um, and that they live forever. Like you could have done that right away, but no, you left it to later, and then you rip the weak bandaid off, and yeah, that give me bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. They could have done so much better with Chris. Yep, for sure. Okay, well, Anthony's not back yet, so who who wants to go next? I could probably jump in with another Blade. Uh, yeah. Not Blade Blade, but Blade character. Sure, go ahead. Uh, let me pick... Let me pick Sharla from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Sharla's the one character that you get, like, the gunner healer person. Um, and I did, I did like Sharla as a character, however... The, the only part that I get from her is other than um, that she, the, the colony got destroyed and that she had her little brother um, and that she lost her. I'm thinking about the right character, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, hu- husband, boyfriend, potential husband, the dude. Um, you don't really get to know much about her other than very surface level stuff stuff i mean the other person you get in your party you know you, you get um ricky you get um um ryan and i find you get more from ryan and ricky than you do from charla um that's just my take on it i mean i like to use her as a character but personality story-wise i don't know a, a whole lot other than that she mourns for her partner like a better term i agree with that um and i think we've spoken about that before like 
what's there with Charlotte, I actually quite like her and I like her story. I just kind of um, don't like how Ryan is basically a rebound. Yeah, I feel like that was a bit. Goldfish. Yeah, I felt like that could have been handled a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But like otherwise, and, and it's sad because I otherwise do like Charlotte and I actually am not even opposed to her and Ryan as a couple. I think they actually complement each other really, really, really well. I just wish that it happened on better terms. Mm-hmm. Or that yeah. maybe her and Ryan got a little bit more before they really started to um, push them together. Yeah, they yeah, needed Xenoblade, more time. Yeah, Xenoblade 1 needs like a 10-year time skip in it. <laughs> See, I... I don't think they tried to push them together. I see them more as like a brother-sister kind of relationship. But that's just me. I mean, that's that's probably how Charlotte sees it. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely got the impression that, that Ryan was not interested in being brother-sister with Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's just my take. Yeah, and, so- and like, uh, another part of it that was kind of just like, uh, why was... Um, Charlotte's boyfriend. His name was Otharon, right? Uh, was that? No, that was that... Gado. No, Gado, Gado. No, Otharon was the other guy. Sorry, sorry. Yes, Otharon was the other guy. Gado. Um, that the thing that really like had me feeling. Ugh, I don't know if you how I feel about that is after you fight Gado and Gado, it's all like telling Ryan's like, "Yo, take care of my girl." It's just like, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's very weird. <laughs> All right, you're just, you're just passing her over to him. Cool. <laughs> yeah, can I just add another character to like just quickly like related to his Juju? Um, yeah, I, I want to know more about him a little bit. Um, he, you know, he he can't handle himself, and then he wants to rebuild the colony, and that's it. And for what it's worth, he does a decent job at that, actually. If you do that quest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if if he did do the quest, he's he's irrelevant. Like he's, he's just that lost kid. Yeah. That needs saving. Um Yeah, he could have had like he serves his purpose fairly well, but uh yeah, if you're just going by the main story, yeah, he absolutely could have had more. Yeah. Just just a little bit than that lonely lost kid that doesn't know how to fight himself child that's constantly in distress yeah when i first played through xenoblade one i really didn't do a whole lot of the colony six stuff and um i didn't care for juju but uh but when i went back to it and i actually made an effort to work on colony six i i i saw what they were doing with him and i i can appreciate him a little bit more yeah but like the what that you do with colony six is very optional so, yes, that's what I'm saying. Like it's be- only because I went out of my way to do some of that. I'm like, okay, I, I get it now. But <laughs> if you didn't do that, sure. That's yeah. That that's my take on those two. Yeah. Um, Cat, do you want to choose the next character? Sure. Uh, is Ant still out? Uh, I w- I'm going to imagine that he'll let us know when he's back. Okay. All right. Um, so while he's out, uh, let's talk about Patriarch, uh, Patriarch Sergius. Um, 
I I didn't even get to him in uh in my playthrough of Xenosaga 2 cuz I I am a fake fan and never finished Xenosaga 2. I apologize and I present myself for self-flagellation or whatever. No. Um uh <laughs> but Patriarch Sergius would probably want me to do that, so I won't do that. Um I like there was a lot of I I was very excited about like promotional material for Xenosaga 2. Um I uh, I was hype for the idea of a character that Morgulus reported to, and I I really wish I had more patience to to get through more of Xenosaga too, because um, I think where where I left off, it it felt like they were just about to go into some like um, uh, environmental storytelling with um, the people that one of my favorite characters like grew up with um and sergius you know you can't be like childhood best friends with the pope but i uh, <laughs> i think he's something like 79 or something but like i i was excited for this character and i i'm not surprised that he came off very flat um but uh he seemed you know as expected for for bad guy religion pope <laughs> yeah like like you don't even get to know his name until like episode three i think because in in episode two he's just referred to as just simply the patriarch oh my which, god and well i think in the japanese version it was actually pope so he's the space pope <laughs> but um but yeah, that's that's all his name is, and um, I I remember I think Pied Piper has one of his ancestors in it, like his grandfather or something. That's cool. Uh, I like that. Uh, which is cool, but then, uh, yeah, there's just he's just the generic evil baddie of episode two when we really already have a lot of baddies to begin with yeah because like i think um by the time episode two came around they had i think they really had invented more villains than than could fight batman at the same time (laughs) and not be overwhelming Um, right yeah we have we have the gnosis we have ormus we have uh the rtvs slash albedo uh and um it's just a lot it's too much (laughs) right so yeah this guy was just very flat and awful so it it might have been better just to cut him entirely or or i don't know just make him better somehow yeah i think sometimes with these like very large series um some of the like to make the main characters stand out there's a lot of like little like background characters with little to no depth (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like it it pushes everybody up a level but you know i there's somebody who cares about literally every character in in everything and (laughs) well uh, please reach out to us uh patriarch sergius fan 101 i don't know yes please i'm praying (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's the same person who loves lorithia (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
All right. Um, Have no fear, guys, because Patriarch fan Sergius1001 <laughs> at AOL.com is here to answer your questions. Just in time. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Also, wow, fake fan. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so... Uh, did I miss any Zeno Blade characters? You missed uh, you missed Sharla them. and Charla, I don't think I would have. I... and Console C. Yes, I don't think I would have done anything different with Sharla. So I don't really have anything to add there. I actually was really satisfied with Sharla uh, and Chris. Um, who's Chris? As far as I'm concerned, there is no Chris. That character doesn't exist because literally did like how how would you make Chris better? Take Chris out of the game. That's how I would make Chris better. Like totally unnecessary, completely yeah. and totally unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know if that's the conclusion you guys reach, but that's my conclusion. Chris doesn't need me. to exist. My conclusion is that he could have served the purpose, and I thought they were going to do something kind of interesting with him. There was something I had in mind with him, but like they didn't, or at least they haven't yet. There needed to be a little bit more substance. Yeah. I mean, he 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 would have worked just fine. Like, I don't think he's a useless character, but they definitely could have used him better. All right. That's it. That's all for Blade. Yeah. Okay. So would you like to choose our next character, Ant? Sure. Just give me two seconds to pull the list back up. Okay. It's my Blade, buddy. Okay. So I want to talk a moment. About from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Let's okay. talk about. Gonna bring her up. Robin, I know you're listening. I'm sorry. We're gonna talk about Larithia. Um, Larithia shows a lot of promise as a villain. They set her, like, from the get go, they set her up, and, like, immediately, I don't trust her. And then. After Melia's thing in the tomb and all that other stuff, that's it. Like, until the end of the game, she just comes back and she's one of the the big three, we'll call it. Except she shows up for a boss fight, does some really weird shit with Melia's brother, and then that's it. Like, you had the potential here to make this a really truly contemptible character and she is but for all the wrong reasons and i feel like there was a lot of potential to make her like truly hateable and this kind of is how i feel about like i feel like a symptom of this the re- they're rather the the cause of this is because melia herself falls to the wayside in xenoblade chronicles like Lar- like Dixon is to Shulk what Larithia should have been to Melia, but wasn't. And that's because, it again, it feels like they ran out of budget. They ran out of time. They couldn't flesh things out as much as they wanted to. And as a result, Larithia, as a villain, suffered completely for it to the point where she's just a, a hill to get over. And... What I would have done is, A, ask for more budget, and B, if that wasn't possible, I would have at least just given her more dialogue, more scenes where she shows up and, like, 
taunts the party, taunts Melia, like, like have her do what she does. What's Melia's brother's name? It starts with a K, I think. Kellyan. Kellyan. Have her like, 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 like torture Kellyan or something like that. Really like light a fire under Melia's ass. Like make her a truly hateable villain. And then do what that weird shit at the end and like have that be like what it all builds up and leads to. And that would, in my opinion, solidify Lorithia as a much better villain. It would at least bring her up to on par with Dixon and Alvis as like one of the big three. And it just, it, it's like, it's again, it's almost like I feel like it's kind of like how I feel about Chris. Like you could have had, I don't know, a part of the building fall on her after Melia's tomb. She's not one of the big three and she's not in any of the end game at all. And it would have been and instead inside the bionis, you just fight some like internal immune system, like, like thing. And replace that fight with altogether, and Kellyanne just gets caught up in it. And it would have had the same emotional impact. So that's what I feel like. It's, it just feels like like you could have, you had a lot of potential with Lorethia. <laughs> like I mean it. Like I hated her from the get go. The moment they introduce her, I'm like, oh, this bitch is trouble. But it's it, it just it falls short because it feels like they don't give her enough time to shine as a villainess. I will now open the floor to comments. Yeah, I honestly forgot who that character was. That's how bad of a villain she was. I had to like look her up. I'm like, oh yeah, that broad. Um, even when I played the game, like when we first saw her, I'm like, oh, I don't like her. And I totally forgot who she was until she merged and did that weird, weird thing. Like, like, oh yeah, now now that's who you are. Now I really don't like you because you're weird. Like, there wasn't enough substance, I agree with you, for me to hate her as a villain as much as I hated Dixon. <laughs> um, like, she's just weird. And it, it, I didn't really, you know, get a sense of why she was a villain until, like, she's like, oh, I'm part of Zanza's crew. I'm like, oh, yeah, so what's your point? Like, I, um, yeah, she's creepy. I guess I can go. <laughs> I I will say Lorithia certainly is a female character who is a sexual harasser. <laughs> uh, usually, when we get characters like that, they're 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 male. Um, that is different. But that doesn't really make me like her. Um, and that's saying this, I'm usually a villain's person. Um, like, I, I grew up with uh, Maleficent as, you know, sort of the, the, the house goddess of, you know, like, hey, this is cool. Um, I feel like uh, they really... Hell yeah. Not- <laughs> Thanks. Uh, they they really didn't really know what they were going to do with Larithia, so I think the the Callian thing feels like a snap decision to like make her look disgusting. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's like, hey, we we have this slot here. What should we design for it? And nobody had any ideas but that one. Yeah, I I agree. Um. 
she is a disgusting character, but she doesn't. Yeah, she definitely could have been dug deeper into. Lorithia could have been. She could have been like a really cool Duranjo esque character, like that um that Ojo Sama kind of mm-hmm. villain that you get in a lot of anime. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what they were going for with her. Mm-hmm. And I I personally like that type of villain. I always think they're pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, she's not giving enough time or even the lackeys to become that character. Lorinthia needed minions, like actual minions. That would have been really fun. That would have been fun. But she's not given that. And I think it would have been it would have been interesting if like she stalked the team and like trolled them at various parts of the adventure. I think that could have been cool too. So it's like I don't hate Lorinthia. I really don't. I know that's kind of been our the joke with the podcast, but yeah, I really don't hate her. I think that she's underbaked. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I feel. I like. I get that the pot like it's a it's a running gag in the podcast to hate Lorithia, but I don't feel that way. I'm just it's more like it's just this is a character that didn't do anything for me. I see a character when I think about Lorithia, I think about a character that had serious potential to be a really bad person, like a really bad villain that like could have been so much more infinitely more than what she turned out to be and yeah i mean i and i and i really would have liked that because villains like Lorithia fascinate me they are interesting to me but when it's poorly executed it just comes off as well gross and that's just kind of where it is it's just it's just kind of like you said half-baked and not great yeah. I think they could have made her a little bit more fun. Just make her over the top. Make her troll the team. Give her minions. <laughs> hey, uh, what was Melia's mom's name? The the adoptive one that hated her and tried to get her killed? It was Yumea. Uh, okay. She's not on the document, but can we also talk about that for a second? Because, like... Like, I know I'm kind of, like, double-picking here, and I apologize, but, like, I just remembered this. Like, literally, Melia's adoptive mother is so forgettable to me that, like, I just remembered, oh, wait, yeah, that was a thing. Which means that this is also another character that had potential and set up to be something way more than what she was, which, again, going back to Melia here, Melia herself kind of fell to the wayside in Xenoblade Chronicles, and... It's such a damn shame because the high Entia as a whole are such a fascinating race. They are such a fascinating people. And I really, really liked what they did and then their connection to the Telethia and all of that. It was just really cool. I really wish that there had been more time to expand on all of that. And they were doing a great job when you're on the Bionis's head. But then you leave and you go to the mechanis and it just all of that goes away and i don't and it's like all that world building feels like it it amounted to nothing almost and that's one of the things about about xenoblade chronicles one that just boggles my mind is how they 
they they they fumbled it like this. And I really wish that they could just go back and like I don't know. Maybe Xenoblade Chronicles One should have been split over two games. Maybe that maybe that's like what should have been done to to, to allow things to be fleshed out more. But I know that Takahashi had bad uh, a bad history with things being split over multiple episodes. I find that Yumea's, Yumea? yeah, her only point of the game was to add a plot point to say, oh, Melia's going to be the next successor. And she's a half-breed, so I don't like that. That That's the only reason that she's in that game is to be like, yeah, I, uh, Melia, I don't like Melia's next one. Like, just to create a little bit of chaos in the high end. Yeah, that's I mean, her, yeah. So... I don't mind Yumea because while yeah she is she's kind of what kind of kicks Melia's arc to motion and she doesn't really get too much focus. I think they gave her just enough personally because while yeah she existed just kind of be like I hate Melia because she's mixed. That's realistic. Like there are people out there who literally hate Melia, literally hate like a mixed kid just based on that. And I think. They gave you Mayor just enough. Like for me, at least, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that works. That's believable. I don't think you may need, really needs to be any more than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very realistic and like how you know some like families are like gotta keep the bloodline clean or for like royal families and whatnot. So that it is realistic. I was about to suggest I, that maybe they should. Of merged Yumea and Larithia, but then I realized <laughs> no, I was about to say the same thing. But also, but, like that yeah. gets even grosser. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that made that that do be getting that do be getting grosser. But <laughs> 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 it would have been hilarious. But you know what, though, we keep saying we keep saying that. Oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. But is it really gross considering what else we've seen in this series? <laughs> That's no, true. No, also, I mean, and you, and that, that is a, not at all. Not at all. Like if, we, if we're if we're sitting here and we're being and and we're going to be adults about this and just be completely honest with ourselves, not not like, even in the slightest. Like no. okay, because no, we're, we're all. using all these languages against like freaking Laurentia, but we're not going to say that about some of these other villains that we love. <laughs> oh no, I I mean I'm definitely there's definitely some villains that are also gross, but also they're villains for. A reason, so that that makes <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have time for one more? Or yeah, I would say. Well, um, yeah. Let, let's do one more. Why not? Okay. Um, you know what? I'm gonna end us on a s- spicy take. Um, Go for it. And I'm going to suggest Cosmos from Xenosaga. Now. I know she's the poster child of the Xenosaga series. She's had millions of figures. That's hyperbole, but she's had a lot of figures, a lot of merchandise. Uh, but she's like asleep for half the series. And I I, I sometimes tell this joke where, because there's a Cosmos card in Botan Kaitos. It does absolutely nothing. And that's just what Cosmos does in Xenosaga. She does nothing. She does do stuff. I'm, it's again hyperbole, but she is asleep for most of the series, and I wanted more of her. What do what do other people think? I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I would have wanted like a couple less figures 
if I got more lore cosmos. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, like before I joined the fandom, I, you know, she made me gay. Uh, and I'm gay no matter what because I'm non-binary. <laughs> but like when, when I was still figuring myself out, part of my problem was, is it okay for Kat to like girls? Uh, and Cosmos kind of like solidified it. And I I do feel like uh, she got the short end of the stick as far as um, her own autonomy, like within within the series. Um, the uh, like there's there's a lot said, there's a lot around Cosmos, but it's it's a shell. It's a beautiful shell, but it, it it's it's kind of they didn't do a lot with her. <laughs> Can I add a, a little comment as an outsider here who's never played that game? Sure. But I've watched the videos. I, I know who Cosmos is. I, I I could identify her in a picture, but I have no idea why you're all obsessed with her. I um will find that out one. I I echo B's thoughts a little bit here, but I will find that out eventually when I get around to playing Xenosaga. That said, though, I relate to you, Kat. Um. I was 12 years old when I got my first issue of Game Informer and they were doing a preview of Xenosaga episode one or two. I can't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was one. Um, and uh, I saw Art of Cosmos and uh, I was 12 years old. And yeah, that was my awakening. I was, awakening. I, I, it was it was right there where I was like, huh, guess I'm straight. <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, to be like. I mean, honestly, she looks cool. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of people got into it. Just like, oh yeah, that's kind of a cool, oh, cool yeah, battle yeah, Android yeah, robot. Sure. I, she looks cool. I could point her out in a lineup, but yeah. I, I don't know anything else than that. Yeah, she looks she, cool. She's got some. She's got some great scenes. Yeah, she's got um, some really cool yeah. fight scenes. But and that's my point. Like. I know nothing about her. Like, I don't know a story or anything, even from watching the games. Like, I, I got nothing. Other than, like, she looks cool. She holds a pretty big gun. That's it. Well, she has some interesting backstory, but it's only revealed near the end of the series. And that's very unfortunate that they waited till, like, the last dungeon to, like, explore her further but it's also like i guess for me i really liked seeing cosmos learn mm -hmm. yes and that's what that's the thing that made her art compelling to me at least is mm -hmm. i loved seeing um her like like seeing cosmos go from somebody who just didn't really empathize with with people and their feelings mm -hmm. like in the very 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 beginning of the game where she kills and it's Shion scolds her, and Cosmos was like, "Well, I I needed to do that. That was the best way to keep everybody safe. I calculated it, but Shion was just like, "No, like that's not the point. You mm -hmm. still did a bad thing." Mm -hmm. And by the end of the game, it, like you even see it in Cosmos's voice, like she starts off very robotic, and then by the end of the series, she sounds a lot more human. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I really liked about Cosmos, at least. Mm -hmm. Just cat. Uh -huh. I had a feeling. I, I had oh. a feeling growing up that that Cosmos's like arc is that it's like she is as time goes on blurring the line between 
android Mm -hmm. and human. And I love, 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 love stories like that. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why I, I had a PS2 growing up. I could have gotten into those games on numerous occasions. And truth be told, I don't know why I ever did, but it's, it's one of those things where like that sort of shit's right up my alley. And I really like stuff like that. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. There's an, there's, there's this arc in Ghost in the Shell. It's a, like a subplot in, I believe I want to say it's the second season. I can't remember, but there's this Tachikoma that like goes from being just a Tachikoma to by the end, like, it it feels alive and like a person and it's like even emoting and showing emotion and then it experiences death and it is just the saddest fucking thing and like it's it's kind of like that like that that's what made me realize like i love shit like that yeah one of the things that uh helped me uh, understand and, and come to like Cosmos is that she's kind of like female equivalent of Mr. Data from uh, Next Generation, uh, Star Trek. Um, to an extent also possibly uh, Spock uh, from the original Star Trek. Um, and uh, a lot of people kind of did not have a whole lot of like uh, female characters with flat tones of voices uh, unfeminine ways of acting despite having female bodies. Um, Cosmos is is a, a really gorgeous juxtaposition of like absolute hard ass <laughs> stuck in the Barbie doll body. <laughs> and I, I love that she sort of like crashes in on a lot of like expectations. Like um, they could have made Cosmos like polite and maidly but cosmos is actually it she she is an emerging uh artificial intelligence on top of starting out with a human soul as her spark uh and there's a difference between cosmos mary magdalene and unawakened cosmos and unawakened cosmos is is just extremely interesting on an emotional level to me because she has to be taught to uh do a suboptimal thing to not kill people (laughs) i found that um very interesting (laughs) she has some unintentional sass to her and i i I like that mostly in episode one um I i love cosmos i just wish i want i just wanted more of her um but she also has to get cleaned. She does. <laughs> she does. That five percent. Just she needs that five percent cleaned. Okay. Well, definitely we're not finishing this list tonight. Um, so this is going to be part one of our characters that Takahashi forgot. I, I should stop pointing fingers at Takahashi. This is all in fun. 
Yeah, we should probably like front load that. Oh no, Takahashi's <laughs> hurt us enough. We can absolutely point fingers at him. You know, no, I, like these these games, they're not like every line of code isn't uh isn't written by the director. Uh, so yeah, so we will definitely have some more uh, characters because we didn't even touch Xenogears or Xenoblade X. Um, so we 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 got plenty of characters. So there will be a part two of this episode. Um, do we still want to go around and discuss what you guys are up to? Sure. Um, let's see. I know, Ant, you're low on time, so you go first. Well, uh, I'm going to plug the channel playing and finishing Retro... Uh, sorry, yeah, we're going to finish Retro Roulette, finally. We're going to put an end to the channel. Um, <gasps> no! Uh, we are going to, and by we, I mean I, I'm going to finish Xenoblade 3 real fucking soon i think it's gonna be the next one or two streams god willing um but according to y'all i'm pretty damn close to the end uh and then what i'll do off stream is i'll probably go back and do some quests i missed uh then um oh this is kind of a big one um and assuming that this episode gets out in time which i think it will uh I wanted to put this out there. So Retro Roulette is going to on February 10th, um, which is the day that uh, Hogwarts Legacy launches. Uh, Instead of buying and playing Hogwarts Legacy, uh, I've decided that I'm going to give that game the finger. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to host a charity event on our channel. And what we are going to be doing is we are going to be raising money for trans, uh, pro-trans organizations. And uh, we are going to be playing games uh, that we're marathoning that uh, were created by trans creators, uh, feature trans characters, things like Celeste, uh, the Bloodborne, uh, PlayStation 1 D-Make, games, you know, like that. And um, we're going to be doing that. Uh, that will be taking place on February 10th. We might extend it into a second day, but, uh, look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's about it. So, uh, I'll pass it off to Justin. Yeah. So I am back to streaming as well. Uh, Yesterday I started with Apis Game 3 and that's been a hell of a game. Um, we're going to be playing some more games as well this year. I got a lot planned for y'all. Valentine's Day is coming up, so I'm absolutely doing a Valentine's Day stream. I've got games ready for that as well, so look forward to that. I am currently working on a review for River City Girls. I'm a little late on that, but hopefully I can get that out soon. And what else am I doing? That's about it. Okay. Um, how about you, Kat? Oh, uh, I am uploading my art on a new Instagram account. Uh, it's, uh, cmdr.salon, Commander Salon. Uh, I put the, the link in, in this chat here. Maybe you could, uh, attach it to the, yeah, uh, the clickable the things. Um, I'm I'm going through I have like 20 plus years of things to upload. I'm not going to upload them all, but um I I recently 
I, I left Twitter completely. And for a while I was aimless. Uh, and I had, uh, I have reduced my social media presence, like just for my own mental health, but, uh, this, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, this new account is, um, I genuinely missed sharing my art with people and Instagram is the kind of place where, uh, I feel comfortable enough sharing things with, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Um, and how about you, B? Um, uh, I've been, um, getting back into gaming, um, with my Steam Deck. Um, I'm switching between Tale of Arise. I love it. Ooh. Um, it's so good. And then I had a little misfortune with my micro SD input. Um, so I had to play something in the meantime while I waited for a new one to come in. And then that is, I think it's called a hat in time. Um, hmm. it's plays like, um, uh, Mario Sunshine, where you have to collect pieces. It is absolutely adorable. I highly recommend it. It's cute. It's funny. Plays well on the Steam Deck. Um, I've also been streaming or starting to, I'll disclose that. Um, when I have a more um, regular schedule, but I am streaming the game Commander Keen, which is an oldie DOS game, but a goodie. Cool. Um, as for plug, I'll, I'll plug in that roulette stuff because that that is a great cause, and I'm really happy that um, you guys oh, yes. are are doing that. Like, yeah. also, yeah, it's awesome. Real live non-binary person, thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, look, I, I'm not doing it for thanks. I have way too many friends that are non-binary trans uh, to, to 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 not make a statement about it. Like it's it's just I'm doing it because it's the right like for me and only me. It's the right thing to do. It's something I I am compelled to do because that's just how I feel. But I hear you and you're. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Also, B. Yes. Hi. <laughs> um, you uh, have once again oh, aligned no. with me. Oh and no! Have excellent tastes oh, because no. I have played a Hat in Time, and it's um, delightful. Oh my god! How, how, how far? How far are you in the game yet? Not too far. I just beat the first five levels. Okay, but you, you're still in Mafia Town. Then. Yes, I am still in Mafia Town. Okay. You're, 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 <laughs> you're about to, I think you're, you're pretty close to going into my favorite area of the game. Um, you'll know when you hear, uh, something laughing at you maniacally and calling you a fool. Cool. Cause I just got, um, a, uh, just with the mustache girl, she's now not my friend anymore. So yeah. 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 Mustache okay. kid uh, or mustache yeah. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. F phenomenal game. It's an very, amazing game. It's so very good. humorous, very lighthearted. Uh, you're going to have a great time. See, and this, this is proof once again that we're twins. Yes. Uh, yeah. I am going to caution you, though. Okay. Some of the boss fights in that game are really fucking hard. Like, there's going to be, I'm not going to tell you what it, give you any context for this. But when you get to the battle for award number 42, just okay. brace yourself because that, Looking that, forward shit to that took me a while. Excellent. Uh, that, that makes me very happy. 
Oh, and yeah, one more thing. Yeah, yeah, they okay. don't, they don't, they don't, they don't turn tone down or, or pull any punches with it, which is something like I kind of appreciated because I feel like a symptom of modern games is that they are a little too easy sometimes. But yeah, uh, go ahead. What were we gonna say? Oh yeah, yeah. One more quick thing besides uh, before we have like you know takeaway between Anthony and I conversation um, is I just finished um, a, a cosplay. Um, it's entered into an online cosplay convention called Con G. It's, well, probably going to be Masquerade would be probably by the time this episode comes up. Wish me luck. It's Skull Kid. So wish me luck. It it looks amazing what you've posted. So I definitely, you're, you're going to do great. Yeah. So a lot of the hobbies that I um, have um, forgotten, rather, long story short, I had a bunch of mental health stuff. Now I'm on the right track. So a lot of the... Hobbies that I did have in the past, I'm rediscovering, and I'm I'm enjoying life again. So nice. Yeah. And if uh, if you have a link to that or some, uh, I could probably out. get one for you. Yes. Yeah, I can put that in the show notes. Okay. That'd be cool. Thank you. Um. All right. Um. As for me, um, I just finished. I finished Live Alive, and I finished Chained Echoes. Two really big. Uh, RPGs. I mean, well, Live Lives isn't super huge but it was it left an emotional big impact on me as a person um so big big in that way um so i've been just kind of stumbling around trying to figure out what to play next um i started playing this point and click game called the excavation of hobbs borrow and it's really really it's a really interesting game because it's i don't play a lot of point and click games um, but this one, I played the demo on the eShop and, um, it's just very bizarre and creepy and like some of the cutscenes with the game look like rotoscoped a little bit and it looks, just looks very odd and I, I'm just really digging the, the, the mystery about it. So, um, yeah. And I also tried, I've been also trying to play Metal Max Xeno Reborn and I am terrible at it it just kind of drops you in but it's an interesting game but i oh yeah those games are very open-ended yeah like it i have like some they they did tell me like goals to accomplish but i'm like just roaming around and like getting my ass kicked left and right and like i don't know where i'm going i need i need a better tank and i need more friends but there's a cute cute uh dog companion so there's that but yeah interest two interesting games i'm starting to juggle right now um all right um thank you everyone for this discussion well it is def it was it was fun and i look forward to our second part um and before this would have been the queer theory part two episode so yeah look forward to this the sequel to this episode and if you want to follow us on social media we're on twitter and instagram xenochat podcast and if you want to email us and tell us what we got wrong what we got right it's xenochat podcast at gmail.com all right thanks for joining me thanks for listening everybody and have a good night Have a good night. See ya.
Take care. a small falling. I like a small falling, not like fucking top of the line. No, fuck that shit. Yeah. Um... What up, guys? This is Mr. Justin here, and today we're curing cancer. <laughs> I, don't... I wasn't gonna say that because, like, I'd actually like that. Yeah, me too. I don't need. I don't need a falling answer just by smiling at the camera. I don't. I don't. Oh. I could, if I wanted to, I probably could be a pretty big My buddy isn't responding content creator, but I have no interest in dealing with that community. Justin, I'm not a community leader. Also, Justin. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be a community leader. <laughs> I, I always I hate, I hate to say it to you, dude, but what you're saying you want to do is exactly that. I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Ah, it finally happened. I called Justin on his shit. He, he was less than perfect. I did it. <laughs> that was not I very a, photogenic I, of I you. Had, I had a flaw. <laughs> oh, I thought this day would never come. <laughs> Don't try too hard. Oh, no. What? Hello? Did the recording cut out? It just stopped. Yeah, did I they did. do that for else? Yep. Yep, it says finish, and I have a link to download my MP3. <gasps> yeah, me too. I think it's about time for maintenance. There we go. That was a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. I'm glad yeah. it didn't crash again. That was. Yeah, it was weird. That was weird. <laughs> I swear it was Malthus. It was a Malthus. It was God it's, trying to warn me off. It's always a Malthus. Mm -hmm. Please insert disc two.